end it after the shovel, or will it? Miami running around, circling, oh look out! Brachowski didn't have the angle! Touchdown! Oh, can you drink? A miracle! Hello, welcome to the Dolphin UK podcast. Uh, man, we said we'd be a bit, um, you know, we'd be a bit hit and miss as we entered the off season, but it's been non-stop news, it's been non-stop fun, and we've got the schedule release and a very special guest today. Uh, before we do that, I'm just joined by Simon and Lee, as always. Si, how you doing, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, I have to admit, it's been a bit of a whirlwind, whirlwind since the schedule and the announcement on Wednesday, and um, it's been non-stop news, hasn't it? So I've come on to do the podcast and have a break, I think. That's it, isn't it, <laughs> mate? I, I think we exchanged messages, on it, didn't we? But like, uh, it's really difficult to work on Wednesday afternoon for some reason. The schedule is—it shouldn't be like any kind of news, <laughs> should it? I mean, like I said to I said to Sophie, it's like that the, the Premier League fixtures just drop. No one cares. <laughs> Nobody cares yeah. at all, and it's a whole kind of media moment, isn't it? So it's all good fun. Uh, Lee, how are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Spent spent a lot of time researching uh, flight prices today to, to get myself out to Miami this year. Like. Yes, sir. And, uh, and man, you already helped me book one uh, over for the <laughs> Giants game at the end of the season, man. I am looking forward to that. And I really, really just hope that we can get past this kind of virus stuff, man. And we just, everyone needs a holiday. And everyone in Dolphins Twitter in the UK needs to go and have enjoy a game in Miami this year if they can. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed that, that we can do that. Um, guys, we'll jump right in then. We're, we're really, really pleased to be joined by uh, Safid Dean this week from the Sun Sentinel. So, hope you enjoy our interview with him. Yeah, so really, really uh, pleased to be joined by Safi Dean, the Sun Sentinel Dolphins reporter. Thanks for taking your time, man. And, and how's it going? Everything's going well. Excited for a trip out to London. That's how for sure. That's definitely for sure. After the uh, schedule came out this week, <laughs> man. I have to introduce you to a to a proper English pub when you come over and get, get stuck <laughs> yes, into yes, that. Yes, yes, that's the main thing. <laughs> Man, well, all right. Let's get straight into the uh, into the schedule if we can. Obviously, we've we've already mentioned London straight off the bat. Um, obviously, for everyone that's kind of listening over here, that's really exciting. Um, you know, Dolphins have, have been over here a few times before. Not the best record, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but if, for you guys as reporters and, and the kind of general vibe in Miami, is, is an excitement about coming over to London, or is it a bit like oh, you know, another game nine thirty in the morning <laughs> over there for you guys, isn't it? Um, I. I I don't want to say it's a little bit of both. I definitely think it's always kind of exciting to kind of be featured in one of the NFL's most, you know, featured games. You know, the international series is really, really big for the NFL, um, whether it's, you know, a couple of locations in London, Mexico City is another one. And I know there's some other countries that they definitely want to get into, but there are football fans, American football fans kind of all over the world here. And, um, you know, it's always kind of crazy to find out, you know, how people become Dolphins fans or Cowboys fans or, or any kind of fan of any kind of team. And it's really sometimes you, you go to the stadium, you'll probably go to, you know, Hotspur Stadium or, you know, another venue where you'll see a, a team play. And, and maybe it's the one day you fall in love with X team. And I'm sorry if there are any Jaguars fans in, in London. <laughs> they're, the butt of, they're the butt of our jokes here in America, too. But, um, you know, the Dolphins and Jaguars are real, real um, – you know, it's, a, it's an exciting game. You kind of have to think about, you know, Tua Tunga-Vailoa and Trevor Lawrence. These were two of the best quarterbacks in 2019 and even 2018. So during their years in college, they were two of the best quarterbacks um, available. Um, you know, Tua would have been a number one pick if he didn't get his hip hurt. 
And um, and then you look at Brian Flores, one of the very, very exciting, um, you know, coaches in the NFL going up against Urban Meyer, one of the best college football coaches of, of our time here in America. And he's making his transition to the NFL, too. So um, a really exciting game. Definitely excited to kind of come across the pond. I know the game was supposed to happen last year. Um, and there's some, you know, quirky things with that, with the Dolphins wanting to host Super Bowls and things. Um, so they tend to kind of want to do these games so they can host Super Bowls at Hard Rock Stadium. Um, but, yeah, just excited overall, man. I think it's a really, really great um, little nugget and, and, and a nice little part of the schedule to kind of be a showcase team for, for the NFL. Safid, I don't know what um, the uh, local beat writers do in terms of planning for the week, but I know the Dolphins tend to fly out on the Friday, land in the UK early Friday morning. As Andy said, they haven't got a particularly good track record in London. I just wondered what your thoughts were on the preparation and the schedule that the Dolphins stick to. Do you think um, that they're doing the right thing by flying out uh, on the Friday and early and not straight after the game on Sunday? Or do you think they'd benefit from from a more extended week leading up to the game to acclimatise? Yeah, I definitely think a more extended week would probably be a little bit more favourable for them. Um, and that kind of goes to the Dolphins schedule kind of overall. Um, look, this is a 17-week season. Uh, excuse, yeah, 17 weeks. The bye week's going to come in week 14 for the Dolphins. Um, so really, all these NFL teams this year, they need to find any kind of rest and recuperation wherever they can get it um they need to take advantage of days off um i don't think this is a uh this is not a schedule where teams can kind of go balls to the wall and really really you know just not 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 give a focus to, to rest um these guys are gonna put a lot of stress on their bodies and i think you know that flight overseas is not gonna be um great by any means i don't know who loves to sit on a plane for that long i certainly don't um, even when we're in America here and I go over to the West Coast for four or five, you know, three, four, you know, five hours, I'm a little antsy. And depending on where you live down here, I think it's probably a five, six hour flight, too. So not that bad. But the time change is is the big factor. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if the Dolphins leave, you know, immediately after or spend the whole week in London. Um, I'm not sure what they're going to do. I think the, the more they spend time um, in London, the, the lead up for the game probably is more advantageous for them just because of, you know, sleep cycle, getting on time and then immediately coming back and trying to get back on time in American time again, too. So uh, we'll see how this goes. We're talking about, you know, the third, second or third week, third weekend in October. Um, and we're in May right now. And I'm sure the Dolphins are, are already piecing together how they kind of want to um, be in London, schedule the rest of their you know rest and practices for the rest of the season. Um, because it's going to be a grind this whole 17-week season, and then you're not even talking about the playoffs. Yeah, man, yeah. And, and and for you personally, I mean, obviously you said we had a joke at the start you wanted to you want to come over. I mean, are, are you looking forward to it? Are you kind of, you know, are you aware of the kind of hype around the NFL in, in the UK at the moment? Because it seems to be growing more and more every year. Yeah, yeah, it's something I definitely want to experience. You know, it, when, we wake up 9.30 in the morning to watch a football game, and um, – <laughs> You know, here here on the East Coast of America, we have to wait till 1 p.m. to watch football. If you live in Los Angeles, you're really lucky because you get the 9.30 a.m. and then the 1 o'clock a.m., you know, the 1 o'clock games on the East Coast are up. So we actually get, you know, it's it's football with our breakfast uh, for the 9.30 a.m. <laughs> when we see it. But you see everybody in the stadium, you see all the fans and the fanfare, and it seems like people are really, really excited and they want to be there. You know, they want to check out a, a kind of a new experience. And um, I got to check out the soccer schedules there too. If I can make a long enough trip to try to get to 
you know, to a soccer game, to a real football game, excuse me. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but it, I think everybody just enjoys the experience. And when you watch something on TV or on the internet for so many years and you get to finally see it in person and, and be around it and hear the helmets clashing and, and um, you know, kind of see everybody and, and, and plays unfold when they eventually pop into bigger plays. I think that's really the, the spirit of, of what American football and what fans really do like when they come to games. And I think that's what London fans will definitely experience every time there's a game over there. I mean, we, we have to do that way every single Sunday. Well, six, six o'clock <laughs> is horrible waiting until six o'clock. You get out Sunday like, yes, game day. And then, oh, man, i got to wait till six. It's even worse when they, when they say, oh, you got to wait till half nine. Oh, oh man. <laughs> See? See, you guys have to wait all day. <laughs> but it's all good. It's, it's the late night night games that get you. We're probably oh, yeah. the only fans that, that aren't too disappointed when you see less primetime games. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. You guys are going to be stuck for the Monday night football game. You're going to be going up late to work on Tuesday, barely not work. You guys got to just call off. Call off work. <laughs> That's it, man. That, that Baltimore game kicks off at 20 past one in the morning, but uh, we mm. all normally watch it. You just got to kind of get that na- that nap in beforehand. Yes, yeah, very That's much it. so. That's it, man. Um, so like, moving on to kind of the wider schedule then, I mean, any anything that's kind of like jumping off uh, off the page for you straight away? I mean, obviously, some of us have probably seen that Colin Cowherd clip, which we probably shouldn't give him too much airtime, but where he's kind of just saying that Tua's going to struggle those first eight games are horrendous for him. I mean, what's your, what's your take on that and, and what's your take on the schedule in general? You know, I didn't check out Cowherd's clip, so I'll have to definitely check that out. Um <laughs> But my thoughts overall, kind of honestly, I, before looking at the back eight, the, the front eight, I kind of look at the middle part. And I, I look at after the Buffalo game on Halloween from November 1st, right, till December, eight, you know, 18th. So the week before Christmas. So we're talking about a six, seven week span. The Dolphins are going to be home. They only have one road game against the Jets. Um, so... And your bye week is on top of that, too. So I think the back end of the schedule is really, really favorable from the Dolphins' perspective. Um, you're going to have six to seven weeks of sleep in your own bed, to not travel, to have rest, um, you know, pure rest that you don't get from traveling on the road. Um, and, and that kind of allows the Dolphins to kind of really pick up and refine where they are in their game plans and their offense and the defenses. And, um, and, and But more importantly, just really – focus on rest more importantly while you're preparing for these games um i think the travel not traveling and having all these games at home having all these people come to you that's going to be a really really big stretch for the dolphins to to put their foot in the sand you know so to speak if you want to make the playoffs um that's a and then it sets up for a strong finish with those road games obviously the monday night football game in new orleans um you know going to visit ryan Tannehill in tennessee and then new england at home but um, you know, this season, 2021 starts like last season, New England and Buffalo right out the gate. And, um, you know, I was disappointed in the Dolphins that they lost at New England last year. Um, I expected them to lose against Buffalo in week two last year. But, um, you know, they lost to a bad Patriots team in week one. Um, and, and that really didn't not really set the tone. But, you know, looking back on the schedule and the wins and losses and how the Dolphins fell short of a playoff, that week one game could have been it. You know, so I really think the Dolphins have to kind of come out swinging week one and week two here. Um, and that's kind of the hard part is you're facing your division rivals when you don't kind of know and you haven't really gelled as a team yet. So um, that's all kind of always the hard part there for the Dolphins is that they need to kind of build their chemistry 
and their chemistry is certainly going to build throughout the season, definitely during that stretch when they're home and making that playoff push. But at the beginning of the season, when you're playing AFC opponents, you definitely need to have the most continuity as possible. You mentioned um, about... Then, sorry, come. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, you mentioned about the particularly strong finish to the schedule in terms of the lack of travel. What also I noticed is the lack of cold weather games late in the year at places like Buffalo and New England. So that's mm-hmm. a good part of the schedule that they've avoided. However, that's been offset by the fact in the early part of the schedule when typically you'd like to see the Dolphins take advantage of that Florida heat. They've only got two home games in the first six weeks. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts about what you think is the better advantage, having early home games to take advantage of the heat, which I think is one of the best home advantages in the NFL, or Mm -hmm. is it more important, do you think, to avoid the cold weather games in December? Because you're never going to get both. There's never that perfect schedule. So which one of the two would you think has been the most beneficial? Which is more beneficial, more home games when it's hot? Well, the players don't like playing when it's hot either. (laughs) Don't let the Dolphins players fool you. It's really hot out here. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I just came from outside and it's like 95 degrees, guys. Um, the Dolphins, they practice in like in the morning time and they're hoping to get out of the sun when it does get really hot. And up, up, the opposition definitely does melt when it is hot out here. You're looking at that sideline and you look at those poor players with no shade and Dolphins whole sideline and half the field is in shade. Um, whoever built the stadium is a genius. They should always, <laughs> we need to do a story on that guy. I need to look that guy up sure. on the architect for the stadium there. But um, I think, Having the home games are definitely an advantage at the beginning of the season. But look, in November and December, it's still relatively warmer here than there is the rest of the world. Um, you know, whether you have a game at 70, 70 degrees, it's still a little bit warmer than doing it at 20, 30, 40 degrees where everybody else is. And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm speaking in Fahrenheit for everybody. Um, <laughs> <That's so right. laughs> I do apologize there for that. I realized that while I said it, but um, yeah, it's still going to be warmer during the later games of the season. I mean, the, you know, even if it's November, December, um, you know, you're still hoping for a little bit of advantage there. But I think cold weather games, avoiding them altogether, it's it's so much more beneficial for the Dolphins. I mean, we've seen, you guys have known it, and Dolphins fans know, you know, seasons go to die in Buffalo week 17. Um, you know, when you, when you play a bad game or a cold game, Nobody's in the mood for it. It's so hard to kind of get up and get your spirits up when you kind of need everything there. And the whole season in its entirety is beating you down up to that point, you know? Um, so avoiding the cold weather games is definitely really big. And I think if October, um, you know, the Buffalo game and Halloween, and maybe, maybe it'll be cold in Tennessee when they go play there, you know, the second or last week too. But um, this Dolphins team, you know, under Flores, it's kind of been really, really focused things like weather and, and, you know, maybe exciting jerseys and things like that. Like, you know, some some college football teams here in America, those things are distractions or those things that kind of like, you know, hang up certain teams. And the Dolphins, they don't have these kind of distractions here. Um, these teams are all about business. And that's really Brian Flores through and through. All about business, all about focus. And, and I think the Dolphins focus, they're going to need it because they have so many young players this year. They're going to need to establish it again because they have so many new players coming in. But um, you know, I think the Dolphins are, are, are in really good position this season to definitely contend for a playoff spot. I mean, I was lucky enough to be at the Dolphins' practice last time they were over here. And I know it's a long flight and stuff like that, but they decided to, you know, to do that walkthrough early in the morning. And to be fair, they, they look sleepier than than some <laughs> of the people sitting on the sideline. You know, it, it was – it just didn't – it doesn't seem like that would happen under Brian Flores. I don't know. Adam Gay seemed to be kind of wandering around, not really doing much of anything. They, 
I, I know it's a walkthrough and I know it's not serious, but as someone's as someone's seen it for the first time, I was like, wow, there's really less going on here than I thought there was. And I didn't think there was much going on. Like, mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel like that's a Brian Flores thing. It, I, see, we've we mentioned how bad their record has been over here. I, I imagine that they will be a better, even if they don't win the game, they'll be a better performing team under Brian Flores and then, you know, that Saints or the Jets performance that they had over here because that was, that, that was rough times. <laughs> yeah, I know. Was that, was that Philbin? Philbin and Gates? You guys got the bad batch of coaches. It was, yeah. It was, that's the year Philbin fired got after. fired afterwards, yeah. <laughs> you know, and sometimes you never know what kind of, what a team is and where they are and, and, and at that point in schedule too. So let's look at week, you know, if it's a, if it's a game at week eight or nine and a team is, you know, three and four or, or even less than that, um, you know, everybody kind of starts looking around and everybody's, you know, spirits are in the dumps a little bit. And you're hoping here in week six, the Dolphins are kind of what? Let's let's look at the schedule here. Um, at least at least one and one after the Patriots bills uh, win against the Raiders there. I think Las Vegas is a bigger mess than anything. Two and one, the Colts three and one Tampa Bay, you know, three and two, if you want to be you know fair. And then. You're looking at a three and two start, possibly four and two start after the Jacksonville game. I think that's a really great start six weeks into the season. Yeah. Even if you, you you happen to get a win over Tampa Bay or even Buffalo, you're looking at four and one, five and one before that game or after that game. So, um, you know, you look at the point in the season too, and I think the Dolphins, um, they've they've known last year was a slow start. They started out two and two, but they ended up reaching the you know uh, one game short of the playoffs. And I think if they're off to a good start, you know whether it's you know three and one or or, um, you know, two and two, uh, I think that game is definitely going to show you're going to see a, a definitely inspired Dolphins team um, because they know that the London game is going to be a big step for them for the rest of the season. I'd like to get your thoughts, Safid, on the fact that they've elected not to take a bye straight after the London games. So literally, they're going to get on the plane after the game, fly straight home, get in their own beds by Sunday evening and crack on with a normal week and they've not so they've not elected to take that buy and instead I'm sure they've negotiated a late season buy as an alternative for that where do you sit with that do you think they'd benefit more from from the buy after the traveling or or do you think a late season buy in this scenario is more important yeah and I know some teams actually do the buy before the game too so you kind of get just be out in London and then have the game the next week but um, you know, the Dolphins are going to have to return as soon as after the game. And like you said, if they get back Sunday night, they can kind of start a whole week again. They have a next game on the Sunday after, um, you know, so maybe by Monday, Tuesday, they're kind of back onto the regular schedules. And then Wednesday is really when the practice week does start. The, you know, the Dolphins practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Those are the main practice days. They'll have a walkthrough on Saturdays. Um, Monday will be no work on the field after games. And Tuesday is usually a day off for the player for the players um, or, or, you know, Monday and Tuesday, sometimes they go in for treatment, have some meetings, things like that, but there's no real on field things until Wednesday. So um, travel wise, I think the Dolphins should be okay. Um, I think they'd get out there. And even if they get out like late Thursday night and practice Friday and have their walk through Saturday, they should be adjusted for Sunday morning and then flying back Sunday shouldn't be a big deal, but um, you're hoping for a team at week six, when they do visit um, London and play the Jaguars that, you know, after five weeks, the offense kind of has a vision. You know, Eric Sudsville and George Gottsy have a vision of what they want to do. Tua is already getting some chemistry with these guys, and you're hoping for the new players on Brian Flores' defense with Josh Boyer. Um, you're hoping those guys have, um, you know, kind of their bearings under them learning the defense. That's kind of the biggest part here is 
the defensive scheme, once you know it, it's hard, it's easy to perform. But um, when you don't have your bearings set and you don't have repetitions in it and live repetitions in games, you kind of get what happened last year with the, the Bills start and the Seahawks game, you know, last season. I know, sorry, I didn't mean to buy it, Andy. Just well, right with the bye week, it's kind of interesting because we know they, they're able to select whether that comes straight after the London game or not. And we know from history that the London game is often in the, you know, that first third of the season. Mm-hmm. It, it, it kind of just goes back to what you were saying to start with about Brian Flores treating that game the same as any other game. In, in a, we know their preference is to have a late bye week in a regular season where they don't play here. So this is just treating it exactly the same, you know, give us it as late as possible and, you know, closer to getting ready for the playoffs, obviously, you know, it's, I think it, I think it just goes it goes to backing up that point that it's going to be treated like any other game. Yeah, definitely. And then the Dolphins had their buy in week fourteen, yeah. right? Week is that I have that right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. December twelfth. Wow. So you get a bye week uh, a month before the season ends. Uh, so that's good. Um, you end the season with just four games: um, the Jets, two road games at the Saints and at the Titans. Um, poor, poor Dolphins, like the players and stuff, because that. Saints game is two days after Christmas, so they'll fly out probably the day after Christmas. So get that Christmas with your family. Uh, Nashville, Tennessee, um, you know, that's going to be where everybody spends New Year's Day. Um, we'll probably actually fly in New Year's Day to Tennessee for that game, too. So people will still get to – the Dolphins are going to have a lot of time at home, okay? They're going to get to spend both holidays at home with their families. They're going to spend every week from – every day from November 1st out – all the way to December, you know, 18th or 19th, excuse me, even later that they're going to spend every day from November 1st to Christmas home outside of like the Jets game on the road. Um, and their bye week is on top of that. So the Dolphins are going to have plenty, plenty of rest at the point of the season where other teams are not going to have it. Some teams are going to have to buy a little bit early. Some teams are not going to have a Thursday night game. I think their Thursday night game kind of fits in well for them too. So, um, you know, in between home games, and they don't have to travel for that. So I think the Dolphins schedule, the more and more I look at it, the more and more I talk to you guys about it, um, there are some very, very favorable points for them, you know, on this schedule next year. Um, you know, I definitely see double-digit wins, um, and that should be the barometer from how they performed last season. But you never know. This offense is, is going to be a new scheme. This defense is going to have some new players. They're going to have to coagulate together and make it work, but um, and then the competition as well. They got to compete with Buffalo, most importantly. Um, but I'm excited to see how this this, this definitely this Dolphins schedule unfolds for them, for sure. And I know we none of us want to think of this, especially us three, Sefid, but if the worst was to happen and that London series was to be cancelled, they would play at home against the Colts in Florida against the Bucks in Florida against, against uh, Jacksonville. Then, like you say, then they come home for Atlanta and they 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 hit that that part of the schedule where they're at home all the time. You know, it's it's potentially you've got four weeks in Florida there if if it was to get yeah. cancelled. It's it's not necessarily a, a bad yeah, the, thing, you know. The games to Tampa and Jacksonville. Say if you did go back to Jacksonville and it wasn't in London, uh, the flight up is is less than an hour. So you're you're in the air for an hour and and just going onto the plane is probably a longer process. So. You know, an hour and a half to less than two hours is all the travel time you need. And you just go to a hotel. Um, so <laughs> the Dolphins <laughs> schedule is very, very, very favorable. These players just cannot get hurt. Um, they just can't get hurt in practice. They can't get hurt, you know, during games. 
And even if they are hurt, you know, being at home should definitely help them in their recovery processes too. But um, this is lining up to be, I kind of squint, I, I tweeted something yesterday, you know, when the schedule first came out, if I squint my eyes, I can see 13 wins. And that's very, 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 very optimistic for the Dolphins. Um, but if they get their chemistry rolling like they did last year, and we saw that last year um, with the Arizona game, with the Rams game, um, the way they kind of went through the NFC West, um, all the way up until, you know, I would say week 18, you know, before the Denver game, um, they were rolling. And if the Dolphins could get on that kind of momentum and they have that kind of swing, they could really be in first special season. One last thing, Safi, because I know Andy's going to move us on to a couple of other topics in a second, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on the last weekend, week 18 matchup against the Patriots at home, which might see Tua versus Mac Jones if... If well, we all hope things go according to plan, and and Mac Jones um, hits the field um, in that week eighteen <laughs> matchup. Um, where do you sit on the Tua versus Mac Jones debate? I I know you're a big Tua fan, of course, but um, mm-hmm. we've hear, heard some of the Alabama players come out and say they preferred Mac Jones, and we've discussed this in between as as why we think that was the case. But where do you sit in the the Tua versus yeah. Mac Jones debate? Well, I don't know. I hope some Dolphins fans are really. Um, look past Mac Jones in that sense, too. He's, he's a good quarterback, probably not great quarterback, but um, we also don't know what kind of development he's going to have, you know, in New England with Josh McDaniels, who's a really, really, really great offensive coach here. Um, you know, I kind of look at Zach Wilson the same way, too. Um, you know, the Dolphins were undefeated against Sam Darnold, and now he's playing Carolina, playing with Carolina. So you take two wins. You don't know about those two wins anymore unless you see Zach Wilson play, but Tua versus Mac Jones, I would be excited to see it, especially that late in the season. Um, you know, I, I, a part of me doesn't want Cam Newton to not play, but I can definitely see why Mac Jones would play. Um, but kind of going back to the topic of, of, you know, the players, the Alabama players saying that, um, you know, Mac uh, Mac Jones was better. They preferred Mac Jones to, uh, to Tua. You know, I can understand that. Um, you know, these players, they spent a lot of time together at Alabama, right? All of them. So you're talking about Tua with Jerry Judy and Tua with Henry Ruggs. And who was the other Alabama receiver that went before those guys? Um, you know, and then you have Devontae Smith, you have Jalen Waddle, um, and, and all these guys play with Tua and Mac Jones. Well, I can see these guys liking Mac Jones because really Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy aren't there to steal reps from them. Um, I think that's a big part of it too, but – you know, these guys spend a lot of time together. It's why Tua loves Jerry Judy. They have a really great relationship. Um, it's why Tua is excited to play with Jalen Waddle. You know, it's why, um, you know, it's why Jalen Hurts is excited to play with Devontae Smith in Philadelphia, too. These guys have um, – we, we look at college players, and, and, and it's different in the NFL. It's kind of like, you know, all of us here in this podcast, we may not hang out together in person, but in college, we're kind of forced in the same space all the time together. And when you spend that much time together in college, these guys build and form bonds and relationships that you see show up on the field in college. And maybe that's what they kind of get from playing with Mac Jones the last year and a half or so. Went to had a hip injury, then he, you know, was out of school. Um, so, yeah, I don't really take too much into the coast, you know, stock of the players saying I, I'd rather have Mac Jones and I'd rather have Tua. Maybe they just like playing with the guy, but, you know, maybe they like playing with both of them and have to answer the question too, you know? I got this. I felt like, they almost had to say Mac Jones because he was in the same draft class. Do you know, like two is in the league. That, that, he, he was drafted fifth overall. That's done. Do you know what I mean? It, I just, yeah. I, I'd like to, 
I would imagine that if you ask Mac Jones, you know, he he's obviously going to pick those guys because those are the ones he played with as well. It's just, mm-hmm. it, it's to be honest, it's not a very fair question to ask because it's it, well, and I think most importantly too, you guys, these guys are all looking out for their draft stocks. So Mac, you know, Mac Jones is got into the first round. There was talks of him being a day two guy, even a day three guy. For him to get all the way up to fifteen is really good. That's good on him. That's good on his performance. He had a senior bowl, which is really big too. And I'm sure these comments and, and hearing and interviews and stuff like that really helped too. But, you know, we're, we're on this topic and it's like, you know, me saying Andy's my favorite guy in this podcast, but Lee and Simon, I really like your questions. You know, it's <laughs> like there's, there's a, there's a win, win, win for me if I have to touch them all. So it's, you know, this, it's all the same. It's all the same. Yeah. yeah that's it. And we're, we're going to come on to, to Miles Gaskin in a second, but let's, well, we're on the draft. Let's kind of, um, let's pick up on a couple of Dolphins picks. I, I want to get your, your thoughts on, uh, on Jalen Phillips. Um, I kind of put my foot in it about uh, two, two hours before the Dolphins drafted him, say I wouldn't touch him, concussion problems. Mm. Um, and here we go. Uh, obviously, with the Dolphins took him, I also said I wouldn't draft Jalen Waddle, but, but, but let's, let's not go oh. on that for too long. But, but there we go. But, um, At so, least you own it. At least you're owning it. I'm, I'm owning it. I'm owning it. Yeah, I'm, I just want to be proved wrong. But, um, but with so, Phillips, so wait, Andy, who did you want? Who did you want, Andy? So I wanted Chase, no. and I definitely wanted Penn I saw. Penn I saw was my guy. I was oh. like, Man, I was there banging the table uh, like three, four months I was there. But anyway. You, you wanted the least sexiest pick and the Dolphins got probably the second sexiest pick, for sure. <laughs> That's it, man. <laughs> I, I just thought, I was just thinking all the way through, we're going to go offensive line and everyone's going to be really disappointed. So I'm going to get up for it early. Mm. And, uh, and I, I was pleasantly surprised. So there you go. Um, but, but with Phillips, <laughs> with, with, with Phillips, I mean, he's going to completely... Uh, change the kind of dynamic of that uh, Dolphins defensive line, isn't he? I mean, um, I'm just interested to get your thoughts on him. Obviously, uh, had a, a sat a year, didn't, didn't play for a year, um, and then came back absolutely huge for the Hurricanes last season. Um, just just really interested to see how you think he's going to overhaul that, that Dolphins defensive line. Yeah. I think the few games that I did watch Phillips play and the highlights that I did see all the time, um, the one thing that sticks out to me about Jalen Phillips is his motor and his tenacity. Um, he doesn't have like an off switch, which is, which is something that you don't see in players. You kind of always trying to hope to flip the on switch for players. And he has an off switch. I don't think you can turn off um, his motor and his tenacity and the way he kind of gets after it and plays um, with a tenacious spirit plays with the spirit that kind of, you know, I'm going to get you and I'm going to take you to the ground. Um, and I think that's probably something that the Dolphins fell in love with. Um, you know, the concussion issues are obviously a red flag. That's that's for everybody that knows a little bit, a little bit about football. Um, the Dolphins know it too. Um, but also you're kind of hoping that he kind of finds himself in situations where he doesn't get, um, you know, hits to the head. And then most importantly too, I think the Dolphins really vetted his love for the game um, and, 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 and what happened after the year off. Um, and I'm sure the concussions led to the year off. Um, and to see him kind of revive his career at the University of Miami, I think the Dolphins saw enough in the player and really liked the player in their interviews um, to get him. And look, I, I don't remember you guys, we have to look back on the draft and, and its history and remember when was the first time a defensive lineman was taken, the first defensive lineman came, came off the board at 18. Um, you know, I know Omar Kelly, my colleague, and I, we really wanted Najee Harris. I would love to see a running back in this <laughs> offense altogether. But for you to get the number one edge rusher and the player that a lot of people in the NFL believe was the number one edge rusher in this draft, midway through the first round, 
you don't have to trade up or trade back or anything like that to get them. Um, I think it's a, it's a huge haul for Miami. And I think we're all going to kind of look back at the pick and realize the Dolphins made a good one because of you'll see the spirit that he kind of plays with on the field. And remember, edge rusher has always kind of been, you know, the, the big void in this Dolphins team for the past couple of seasons. I think you only have to look at the reaction of the Jets, the Bills and the Patriots in that they were so um, gutted, if you like, that the Dolphins selected Phillips. I think that speaks volumes for his ability and his talent. Yeah, that's it. And the, these guys are also Najee Harris's biggest fans. And <laughs> we had a lot of the back and forth about that as well, didn't we, guys? But yeah, um, we're, we're leading the Najee Harris therapy group over here right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the thing honest, is, the Dolphins, the Dolphins really spoiled us. They had three first-round picks last year. If only they had three first-round picks this year. If only uh, Chris Gray would argue, man, if only I had first-round picks every year, three first-rounds <laughs> every year, give, me to, give them all to me. But, um, but I, I, I did like the picks, how they kind of came out. I mean, uh, with the Waddle pick, I think you guys – or I, I think some Dolphins fans may have some remorse or, or some kind of little slight feeling about missing out on Kyle Pitts and not being able to really run the table um, or even getting a guy like Jamar Chase. But I think the Dolphins see it this way. Um they didn't get the number one tight end in Pitts, and they didn't get the number one outside receiver in, in Jamar Chase, but they got the number one slot receiver in Jalen Waddle. And if this kid is as fast as he plays at Alabama, um, and if he does compare to Tyreek Hill and show himself like that on the field, he can be an electric playmaker that gets the ball in his hands, puts points on the scoreboard, and just his speed and fear of him doing damage on the field will create some attention from defenders to kind of open things up for other guys on the field too. And that's certainly the hope for Tua going into year two. Um, be exciting, won't it? Um, yeah, can't wait to watch it, to be honest, as much as I, uh, <laughs> I boo-booed the pig a couple of hours before, but never mind, it's all good. <laughs> um, on the running back thing, then we'll go on to, on to Gaskin. Um, obviously, yourself included, as you just said, and, and these guys all in on Harris. And then it seemed when we didn't get Harris, everyone went all in on Javante Williams. And then it was kind of like Michael Carter. And we, as we went down the round, everyone got more excited about a different running back until we ended, obviously, with Jared Dokes in the, in the last round. But Ooh. since then, <laughs> there you go. Um, but <laughs> since then, um, there seems to be a huge shift on like Dolphins uh, Twitter, which is always a fun place to be. But um, and Miles <laughs> Gaskin is now the guy. You can't question Miles Gaskin. He's like fantastic. Um, I just want to pick your brains, man. I mean, you've obviously seen a lot of him last year. He, he obviously did a did a job for us last year. But I mean, are you in the same boat as we are in the fact that you know I'm not overly sold as, as the as the lead guy for a team anyway? Yeah, Miles Gaskin is like my favorite guy to have as like the second guy off the bench. Um, he's a he's a perfect third round back, third down back. Um, he can catch out of the backfield. I think his best game was the Vegas game last season um and that was encouraging for him because he had a knee injury that caused him to be out a couple of weeks he also had a covid bout or some covid complications that kept him out for a game or two um miles gaskin had a really strong season to start and um it's just he's a little little under a little too undersized for me personally um but you look at running backs in the nfl now they're all kind of undersized a lot more people under six foot and even five ten and lower that play that position um, and the Dolphins got a lot of value out of him last season being their leading edge, leading rusher. Um, finally, Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't the leading rusher for <laughs> the last couple of years there. But I think when you look at the running back position overall, I think Miles Gaskin, he's going to have to lead the way because he was there um, last season um, because of need. 
Um, Salvan Ahmed had, you know, two really good games, the Arizona game, then he had another 100-yard rushing game last year. You're hoping there's some potential there that you haven't uncovered yet. Um, the carry-on Johnson waiver really, um, you know, putting the waiver in, that was a good indication by the Dolphins. Like, okay, we do need to address this position. But I think more importantly, more as the Dolphins lost out on guys like Najee Harris and Javante Williams, it really got me to realize that. Well, and also I hope Dolphins fans remember too that they missed out on the draft at running back in 2020, not 2021. Um, you know, they were on the phone with J.K. Dobbins in the second round um, right before he was taken by the Baltimore Ravens and making the Dolphins pick Raekwon Davis up, who's a great player. He's, he's going to have a really, really big role for the Dolphins. Um, but, yeah, J.K. Dobbins was the target for the Dolphins in the 2020 draft. And I feel, um, you know, we're going to look back at Chris Greer's draft this year and, and there's going to be some really, really high notes, especially afterwards, because you get the first DN, you get the first uh, slot receiver, you get the first safety. Um, and Liam Eichenberg is supposed to be, you know, a, a starting caliber offensive lineman. But um, the trade for Josh Rosen was probably the worst move that they made. Brian Flores and Chris Greer together when they started in 2019. Um, I think they could have drafted DK Metcalf in the second round there. Um, and then I think the second most, you know, biggest, um, you know, kind of red flag or, 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 or mistake that the Dolphins made together is the 2020 draft when they had the most picks of any team in the entire 2020 draft and they couldn't get a running back when six to eight players won in the first three rounds. Um, you know, I understand what they were trying to do, trying to address the O-line, trust the D-line. Um, there was a lot of receivers. That was a really, really loaded receiver draft as well, too. Um, you know, so uh, those are the two things I'll, you know, I'll kind of hang up on the Dolphins and I hope they overcome over the next couple of years. But um, I'm interested to see how the running back offseason unfolds. Carry on Johnson, the claim didn't go through, but there are going to be some other guys who are cut. Um, there's going to be guys who become injured on the team now. Um, and then the Dolphins are going to see a lot, you know, in this rookie mini camp, veteran mini camp to make some decisions before training camp on who they ultimately do bring to camp at the running back position. I was going to ask you, actually, Safid, you mentioned carry on Johnson. I think that speaks volumes for their intentions in how they're going to look to address that position. Do you think they're going to pick up a veteran like a Le'Veon Bell or a Todd Gurley? I mean, we've talked about it on this pod and, and I think I speak for the others as well in that we're not totally sold on that any of those guys are a solution so who do you think do you think the Dolphins will look at one of those two veterans or do you think they'll go elsewhere yeah I mean if you're not sold on those guys and you're sold on Miles Gaskin then even more power to kind of sign those guys right if, if you pick up Todd Gurley and and he reportedly had like a degenerative you know kind of knee issue or um, you know his knees are not holding up but he still played kind of fairly decent at Atlanta last year despite the circumstances and looked good with the Rams before they parted ways with him. You know, if you believe in Miles Gaskin the way you do, you bring in Todd Gurley for whatever you do, and they kind of share a black, you know, a backfield together. Um, I think that could be a good move, but it's up to the Dolphins if they want to make that move. Um, I think Le'Veon Bell, there was some gauged interest there last season. He wanted to play with the Chiefs to kind of contend for a Super Bowl, and he got to the Super Bowl. Um, and, and as we saw, the Chief lost. Chiefs lost, but um, I think every running back is kind of have some kind of consideration here. And the Dolphins have to decide if Miles Gaskin and Savon Ahmed and Malcolm Brown and, and and all these guys that they have and, and Garrett Dose, if these guys are guys that are going to want to build around and have potential or if they need to find some more. And I also think the Dolphins should assign Jamal Williams in free agency, the one out of Green Bay. I think he was one of my favorite running backs. I'm um, in the NFL last year. I had Aaron Jones on fantasy, so I would always watch Jamal Williams and 
throw my fist in the air when he would get the football. But he's such an exciting player. I really wish if they would have signed him, I would have been completely okay with the Dolphins not drafting running back. It it feels a little bit like we're going to be sitting there having the same conversation after every year. For me, it feels like, like you say, in 2020, they had every opportunity to draft a running back. The rumor was they wanted to move up. They couldn't, they couldn't get it done. Then this year we hear they wanted to trade back into the first round for possibly Harris or Etienne. Um, then, you know, Denver supposedly jumped Miami because they wanted Javante Williams, even though I don't think that was likely to pick anyway. But it just mm-hmm. feels like it's a position that we're always going to be saying they undervalue this position. You know, if, if you wanted to get up in the back into the first round and get Najee or, or, or get Travis Etienne, you could have done it. Like the, the Dolphins have got all the capital they need in future drafts to to get that done. It's you weren't willing to give up enough to get it done. It just feels like yeah. every, I think every front office has it, and every fan base has that one position where they're like, "Man, I really wish we'd address that." But just yeah. feels you could be here, and just quickly on veteran running backs, if we've got to sign a veteran running back, just bring Frank Gore back. <laughs> that's the that's the thing. I it, the the value of the running back position, and we saw how Brian Flores kind of came from the New England mold, and Chris Greer comes from a New England mold as well, with his father working in that organization. And um, you know what they see in New England, they they definitely I don't want to say try to replicate, but um, they do take weight on it. You know, it does have some some value to that. But the Dolphins certainly feel like Barry Sanders walked through the door and like, hey, I want to be a Dolphin. And the Dolphins are like, nah, we're good. Sorry. You know, we, we don't want you here. Um, it definitely has that feel, right? <laughs> because you have yeah. no idea what they do value at that position. Um, but if the um, if, if the Dolphins were, you know, able to get a guy like J.K. Dobbins in the draft, then, then you know, or, or even able to get Javante Williams in the draft, we wouldn't have this conversation about where they value this or that. Um, they just have the running back and everybody very happy about it. Gus Edwards is the guy. I'm telling you, we're going to flip a late round pick for Gus Edwards. That's my that's my guy. <laughs> okay, I like that. Gus Edwards runs with that tenacity that I like from Jamal Williams. Um, and I know some Dolphins fans would love him too. University of Miami guy down here too. Um, but yeah, you know, for me, I was looking for. I think the biggest thing at the running back position that I've, I'm hoping for for the Dolphins is you have a stud back there because if you want to run RPO with Tua. You know, having the running back threat is the biggest thing that opens up the lanes more than a player like Jalen Waddle does. Um, and, and so that's why I think the Dolphins' need for a standout running back is, is, re- is really, really there. Awesome. All right, man. Well, uh, well, thanks for your time. I think we'll wrap it up there. It's taking up loads of your time already. So uh... Awesome. <laughs> no, you're fine. You, I really, really enjoy this with you guys. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, yeah. buddy. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll see you over in London in uh, in October. Um, Sidely, awesome. anything to wrap up with? No, I just want to say um, thanks again, Safid, for your time. You've been very generous, and we really appreciate it. And hopefully, we'll have you on again soon in the in the future. Awesome, awesome, guys. Thank you so much for your time. I did um, not forget you guys mentioned to take me to a pub out in London, so I will hold you up to that. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Thanks, thanks for coming on, man. And, and hey, when you come over, wrap up warm, man. It's, it's going to be cold. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. We got the cold weather games early this year, right? That's right. I mean, <laughs> we, we've all traveled to Miami. That cold that hits you when you get back off the plane, when you get back. <laughs> it makes you want to come back to Miami, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, guys. I appreciate awesome. your time, man. Thank you all so right, much for reaching you. out. Thank you, man. Thank appreciate you. It. Cheers. Awesome, awesome, guys. Have a good one.